0: chapter 4, Ephesians in chapter 4. I want to start this morning by asking you a question. And please do not answer the question out loud. I want you to uh, keep it in your head and answer it to yourself. The question is this, why are you here this morning? I want you to think about that for a minute. Why are are you here this morning? I want to give you some challenges this morning to help answer that question. Uh, There are multiple biblical reasons why you should be here this morning. Uh, And and hopefully uh, you are here because of one or many of them, I don't know. Uh, uh, one of them would be to worship God uh, with other believers another one would be uh, uh, be taught by his word for our spiritual growth Acts chapter 2 verse 42 Uh, church attendance is not a good suggestion it is uh, God's uh, will for believers Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 Church is a place where believers can love one another. First John uh, chapter four and verse twelve. Uh, church is a place where we can encourage one another. Hebrews chapter three and verse thirteen. It is a place where we can be stirred up to provoke one another to love and good works. Uh, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter ten and verse twenty-four. It is a place where we can serve one another. Galatians chapter five and verse thirteen. It is a place to instruct one another, uh, Romans chapter 15 verse 14, to honor one another, Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, be kind and compassionate one to another, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. So there are, and I could go, I could go on and on. And so there are multiple reasons why we should be here. Hopefully, you're not here because somebody made you come. I hope that that's not why you're here. Out of all of the reasons that I just listed, there's one requirement for all of them, and that is maturity. This morning, we're going to be talking about the mature believer. Ephesians chapter 4, let's start reading in verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some... Apost- well, let, let's stop before we go on further. Who, who, who is Paul talking about in verse 10? Jesus, okay? Okay, so he's talking about Jesus. So then um, in verse 11, the he in verse 11 is talking about Jesus. For And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12, for, why, why were these individuals given to the, to, the, to, the, to the church? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, verse, verse 12 has an important progression here. And I, I want to kind of point this out to to us this morning, right out of the gate, the perfecting of the saints. The the word perfecting there does not mean the word perfect, as we would know it in 21st century English. The word perfect there means to be mature. So, the verse 11, the people, the 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 the, the, the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists, all those those things, those people. We're given to the local church first off for the maturing of the church. Secondly, the progression goes on. It says for the work of the ministry, for the work of the ministry. The word ministry here literally means to minister or to act out or to live this book so that we can become mature, believers so that we can act out or live this book the progression continues why for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ or the church do you see the progression verse verse 11 those people were given to the to the church for the uh, perfecting or the maturing of of the believers, so that the believers could live their Christianity, so that it would edify or build up the body of Christ. Very important, very important progression. Another thing that is important here to, to understand is that The edifying of the body of Christ doesn't mean that there is a select few at the top of the church that are supposed to do all the work. The the idea here is that the whole church is working together for a common goal of edification. Some people are given different gifts so that they can then fulfill different parts of the edification of the body of Christ. So it's the it's the entire body working together, not just a, a few at the top doing all the work. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> I came across this this illustration. I wanted to read it to you this morning because uh, I, I think it's very applicable for the message this morning. Though many of us have seen pictures of huge eagles' nests High in the branches of trees or in the crag of a cliff, few of us have gotten glimpses inside. When a mother eagle builds her nest, she starts with thorns, broken branches, and sharp rocks, and a number of other items that seem entirely unsuitable for the project. But then she lines the nest with a thick padding of wool, feathers, and, and fur from animals that she's killed, making a soft and comfortable for the eggs. By the time the growing birds reach flying age, the comfort of the nest and the luxury of free meals make them quite reluctant to leave. Sounds kind of familiar, right? You know, (laughs) that's when the mother uh, eagle begins to stir up the nest. With her strong uh, talons, she begins to pull out the thick carpet of fur and feathers, bringing the sharp rocks and branches to the surface. As much of the bedding, uh, uh, as more of the bedding Uh, gets plucked out, the nest becomes more uncomfortable for the young eagles. Eventually, this and other urging uh, prompt the growing eagles to leave their once comfortable abode and move on to more mature behavior. It is the act of the mother eagle pulling out the comforts of their nest making them uncomfortable, and prodding them to eventually experience the freedom of flight. Now think about this. Little baby eagle, free food, comfortable nest. They'd stay there their whole lives. But the mother eagle knows what's best for them and removes the comfort, makes them uncomfortable, and eventually will, at some point, even push them out of the nest. Why? Because she knows the freedom of flight is far better than the comfort of the nest. This is a wonderful picture of what God does in our lives sometimes. Because He knows that the freedom in Christ that we can experience when we trust in Christ is far greater than the comfort of our little nests. Philip Yancey wrote this, human beings grow by striving, working, and stretching. And in a sense, human nature needs problems more than solutions. I like that. Why are not all prayers answered magically and instantly? Well, that's a good question. He goes on. Why must uh, every uh, convert travel the same uh, tedious path of spiritual discipline? Because persistent prayer and fasting and study and meditation are designed primarily for our sake, not God's. Kirkengard said that Christians remind him of schoolboys who want to look up the answers to their math problems in the back of the book rather than work through them. We yearn for shortcuts, but shortcuts usually lead away from growth, not toward it. Apply the principle directly to Job. What was the final result of the testing that Job went through? As Rabbi Abraham Herschel uh, observed, faith like Job's cannot be shaken because it is the result of having been shaken. So, what what is Philippianity trying to say here? The problems that we endure through life are the very things that God uses to prod us out of our comfort zones and it is it is getting us out of the nest of our comfort zones and and getting us to trust in the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ this morning the title of my message is this striving together toward maturity striving together toward maturity that should be the goal of every person in this room is that we should be striving together pushing each other toward maturity why for the edifying of the body of christ let's look at verse 13 of our passage till we all come in the unity of of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto the perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but the slight of men, <coughs> excuse me, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive, but speak the truth in love, may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. For the whole body, fitly joined together and uh, compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working, is measured of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. I am so thankful, so grateful for all that you have done. And Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I ask that you would challenge our thinking, that you would encourage our hearts, and that you would help us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Paul here in this passage sees the church through two lenses, kind of like a, a pair of binoculars. If you if you I have this really bad habit because I'm very uh, uh, if I look through a pair of binoculars I always for whatever reason close my left eye. I'm very right eye dominated uh, dominant. So when I look through a pair of binoculars I always look through the right side. And if if I were to and, and this is kind of what, the, what Paul is saying here. If you were to take a pair of binoculars and close one eye and look through it, you would see first the individual, the the, the believer growing and gradually becoming more like Christ. In verse 13, the last half, it says, unto, uh, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of, of the fullness of Christ. So what he's talking about here, he says that the first lens that he's looking through is, is as he looks through this lens, he sees the individual maturing in their walk with the Lord. The second lens that he that he's looking through would be the other eye. So you close this eye and you open this one, and and it is it is the body of believers working together, edifying one another for the fullness of Christ. So if you were to take a pair of binoculars and you were to look through them, close one eye and then open and and then close it and then open the other one, would you see exactly the same thing? No, it would be off just a little bit. But what happens when you open both eyes? You see the full panoramic view, do you not? And that is what Paul is doing here. He's he's looking through each lens, but he's looking at them at the same time. So as the individual grows, it it all together works together. As all individuals grow, it is the body growing together for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, simply put... We have an individual responsibility to grow in Christ. But we need help. Can we, as individuals, apart from other people, grow in Christ? The answer to that is yes. But when we all work together, what happens? It expedites the growth. And not only do we grow in our faith, in our walk with the Lord, but we grow together in that walk. That's why I entitled this message, Growing, Toward, Growing Together Toward Maturity. Growing Together Toward Maturity. Let's look at verse 12 again, and then we'll, we'll move on. For the, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry... For the edifying of the body of Christ. So, point number one this morning characteristics of immaturity. Characteristics of immaturity. I wanted, before we talk about maturity, I wanted to kind of talk about immaturity for just a little bit. Verse 14 is kind of the nutshell here. Uh, it says, That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. So I want to talk about three telling characteristics of immaturity. Now if any of these three characteristics are present in your life, then I want to encourage you to look to the Lord to 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 help reverse that, that, that situation. Number one is un, unbalance, unbalance. Um, we talked about this actually last week a little bit, being unbalanced in our life. Uh, these, these individuals, according to verse 14, uh, are, are characterized as children who are tossed to and fro, <clears throat> easily deceived uh, in James chapter one verse eight, it says a double-minded man is uh, is unstable in all his ways. So a man who who cannot make up his mind, who cannot stand firm for the cause of Christ, is going to be unstable in every area of his life. But when we strive together, we can encourage one another. Galatians chapter five and verse thirteen. For brethren, we have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So, unbalance is the first characteristic of immaturity. The second characteristic of immaturity is unsure doctrine unsure doctrine again in verse 14 the the idea of uh 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 carried about with every wind of doctrine uh, anything that sounds good you know oh man that sounds really good why don't you know i could i could you know that yeah i'm going to start going to church over there because you know what they what they teach sounds really good just recently i i can't remember who who told me this but they they told me they said you know i was I was uh, listening to something on the, on the radio and it sounded really good, but in my, the, my spirit and in my, in my heart told me that there was something wrong there. And that, 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 is, that, is, that is awesome because that, that means that, you know what, sometimes, sometimes we can't always put our finger on the problem, but the fact that we know there's a problem is a sign of discernment. But immaturity is is unsure in in doctrine. As the Lord was, after the resurrection, the Lord was here on earth for a period of time. And just before he ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples one last commandment. We call it it the great commandment. And we find it in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. It says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even into the world. Amen. And it's shortly after that, then he ascended into heaven. But it's the, it's the, it's the last commandment, the great commandment. What? To teach doctrine. To teach doctrine. Doctrine is nothing to be afraid of. Doctrine unites us as believers. It is an awesome way for us to understand and to grow together. Why? Because doctrine is basically, you know, to my knowledge, you will not find the word doctrine in the Bible. I don't remember ever reading that word in the Bible. So it, it, it's a theological term. What does what does doctrine mean? What does the word mean? It simply means to teach, to teach this the the what Jesus wanted us to learn. the the doctrine of salvation and, and, and I could go on and on and on. There's there's many different doctrines that we need to learn here. But the, this morning, what we're talking about is <clears throat> of of maturity. Learning, learning doctrine, because Jesus knew that young believers—again, <clears throat> it's classified here in verse 14 uh, as children being tossed to and fro. If a if a young, if a person who is young in the faith doesn't get grounded in doctrine, what can happen? They can be tossed back and forth, to and fro. With every wind of doctrine. In other words, they, they're going to just follow whatever sounds good instead of whatever is good. Hebrews in cha- chapter 6 and verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that wherein the, the, uh, wherein the veil that we have an anchor of the soul that is sure and steadfast. This, the third characteristic of immaturity is the inability to discern. And we we talked about that just a moment ago. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 13 and 14. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the, in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, I I don't get to do this very often, uh, but a friend of mine uh, gave Melanie and I... uh, some New York strips that were about that thick. I mean, they and i I, I honestly, I told Melanie, I, said, I don't ever remember eating a New York strip. i I just I don't. Uh, I probably have, but i I just don't remember. Anyway, he gave these these steaks to us and and I threw them on the grill, and we we grilled them, and oh, oh, it was they were so good. And as I sat there eating them, I'm, I was so thankful, not only for my friend giving them to us, but the fact that I, that I, that I was mature enough to be able to eat them. Yeah. Now, my mom is here. And I, I remember when I turned 16, <clears throat> They uh, to celebrate my 16th birthday, I don't know if you guys remember, you probably don't even remember this, they took me to a steakhouse and bought me steak and lobster for my birthday. Now, what 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 do most 16-year-olds want to eat? Hot a hot dog and hamburger would have been perfect for me. But they take and I and they buy me steak and lobster for my 16th birthday. I took one bite of the lobster. You, do you remember this? Probably not. Okay. Um, I took one bite of the lobster, and you know what I did? I said, you want it? <laughs> my mom went into meltdown mode because she just paid for that lobster, and I didn't want it. Why? Because my, my taste buds, or my palate, if I guess you'd say, wasn't mature enough. So she gave me her steak, and she ate my lobster, and we both were happy. But I, I remember that because... Now to, now today, yeah. now I wish my friend had given me a couple of lobsters to go along with the steak, you know. <clears throat> well, Melanie wouldn't eat. Well, I could have eaten her lobster too. But anyway, but do you get the point here? As believers, maturing as believers, there are, there are, there are doctrines and there are teachings that Christ here identifies as steak, And milk. And when we're young in the faith, what do we need? We need milk. We don't need to eat steak. It's part of the maturing process. One of God's desires is for every believer to be able to discern right from wrong. I mean, that that's kind of basic to, to be able to understand right from wrong. What about the way we think versus the way God thinks? That's a hard one. Because oftentimes, as, 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 as Christians, do we not want to do God's will in our lives? And so we need to be able to discern what, how God thinks and the way we think. How, how about this one? Uh, the easy way from the best way. What do do we want? What is is our natural bent? Our natural bent is to do it the easy way. But God's way is not always the easiest way. Going back to to uh, to the illustration of the eagle's nest. Sometimes God wants us to experience some difficulties. Why? So he can grow us. Colossians chapter 2 and verses 5 through 8. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am I uh, with you in spirit, joy in beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, that ye have therefore received Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding within with thanksgiving. uh, Beware, lest any man spoil you through uh, prophecy or vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So again, what is Paul encouraging us? To get grounded in the doctrines of of the Word of God. And the best way to do that is when we are around other believers who are teaching and encouraging us to do the things of God. So those are the three characteristics of immaturity. So let's look at uh, some characteristics of maturity. And uh, we're going to look at four different characteristics of maturity. Uh, The first one is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. Look at verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man or the the mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is the goal? The goal is to be like Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you, will any of us this side of heaven ever attain to the full likeness of Jesus Christ? Okay? No, we won't. But what should we do? Try our best. Try our best. Now, there's an important lesson here found... And in these two verses, it's kind of a little sidetrack here I I wanted to share with you. In verse 11, it gives a list of people primarily for for our discussion here this morning. I'm going to focus in on the pastors, pastors and teachers, because that's what most people recognize to be uh, most prevalent in Christianity today. What is the responsibility of a pastor in this world today? Is, is the responsibility of the pastor to build a megachurch? No. The responsibility of a pastor, teacher, evangelist, all of these people listed here, is not to build megachurches, but to build people. And so often in our society today, we see churches that are more concerned about their size than they are the maturity of the people in the church. Because, really, what, biblically speaking, what is the best gauge? For a healthy church, the size of the church or the maturity of the people within the church? Absolutely, it's the maturity of the people in the church. Now, should a church grow? Absolutely, it should grow. And one of the signs of a growing church is is the mature believers doing the work of the ministry, sharing the gospel, thus growing the church. You see the progression? But what happens in a lot of churches today, and, and, and Grace Baptist Church has been guilty of it in the past. We, we try not to do this, but unfortunately, we're human. But we get so caught up in programs, thinking programs will grow the church, when in reality, what do we, do? we need to do? We need to grow the people in the church, thus grow the church. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13-17. Uh, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Boy, does that sound familiar. Amen. Deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hath been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise and salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is, is, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Again, the word perfect there is, is the word for maturity. God's desire is so that as we understand Scripture, we can become mature and thoroughly furnished into all good works. Christ-likeness. Number two, <clears throat> stability. Stability is, at least in my thinking, is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, verse, verse 14 talks about being tossed about to and fro with every wind of doctrine but the 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 mature believer uh, will not be uh, uh, taken in by false doctrine. James chapter one verses five five and six. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sin driven with the wind and tossed. In other words, when we go through life with our own understanding, what are we going to do? We're going to be tossed around. And and the winds of life will dictate to us how we live our lives. But when we walk with Christ and we are mature in our faith, then He is the one who directs us. And instead of being tossed around, we can walk with confidence. And when troubles come, we can still have a smile on our face and we can just keep right on going. I wanted to share with you a little unknown truth that many people are not aware of. But most cults, do you know where most cults do the majority of their recruiting? They do it outside the church. I mean, not literally, but what do they do? They find young Christians who have not been grounded in the Word of God who will follow their doctrine and they get sucked in. The majority of cults do exactly that. Yeah. The third characteristic of maturity. Let's look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Number three, truth joined with love. Truth joined with love. Again, we talked about this last week a little bit. It has been said that truth without love is uh, brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. I believe that it is the mark of a true mature Christian who was able to share truth with a fellow Christian and do it in love. You know, I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes, sometimes the truth hurts, does it not? But it's still truth. And when we can deliver truth with love, it can change lives. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6: Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. There are times in my life that I have I have I have a about four pastors, pastor friends, in in other states. None, none of them in Nevada. I I purposely have have chosen pastors outside of the state of Nevada mainly so that you don't know who they are uh, yeah. <laughs> and you could no i'm teasing but seriously these are these are people that i have have had in my life for many many years and <clears throat> uh they have the right to call me at any time if they feel like i'm going astray and 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 nail my feet to the floor if you would I've given them that right in my life. Why? Because I need that truth sometimes. I'm human. And I I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week. If I haven't let you down yet, hold on, because I will. That's a sad truth. But who in this room has never let anybody down? (laughs) <laughs> We've, we're all guilty of it, but see, but but see, the problem is many people look at the pastor and say, "But you're a pastor; you're you're not allowed to." I have bad news for you. <laughs> now, is that an excuse for me to to act un- unworthy? Absolutely not. it's, it's not an excuse. But I'm here to tell you sometimes the truth hurts. And we need people in our lives who will be honest with us and in love tell us the truth so that we can grow. And see, and that is one of the functions of the church. As we strive together Toward maturity, it it takes all of us working together to achieve something awesome. Now, will Grace Baptist Church ever be perfect? Absolutely not. But should Grace Baptist Church be mature? Absolutely it should. And it takes all of us working together, it takes all of us growing together to achieve that. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That friend is Jesus Christ. But I love the first part of this verse. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. In other words, let let me put it to you this way. I have had people come up to me and say, Pastor, Grace Baptist Church is not a friendly church. And I I always go, you know, in my head, I don't say it out loud. I I said, did you come to this church? Because this is a friendly church. But what's the problem? The problem is they didn't make an effort to be friendly. See, a friend... A man that hath friends must what? Show himself friendly. So if you come in and sit over in the corner and give everybody who walks by you the evil eye, it's not going to be a friendly church. So what is needed? What's needed is co- cooperation. Cooperation which is point number 4 the fourth characteristic cooperation look at verse 16 from whom the whole body fitly joined together is compacted by that which is uh, which every joint supplieth. what it what it, the word fitly joined here is a, is a is a carpenter's phrase and that is that is something that it, when it when it slides together, you 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 don't need to put any nails in it. Um, <clears throat> some some of you know I I like to play with wood some and and um, but when when you can do y'all know what a dovetail is, okay. When you when you buy a really fine piece of furniture, the drawers are put together with dovetails, and that, that's how you know that whatever you're buying is, is quality because of the dovetail. And, and w- what do you think the manufacturers do with dovetails? They, they, put, they put something in there. Glue, okay? The reality is this. A, a good dovetail doesn't need glue. It fits so tight that if you wanted to take it apart, you would break it. And that is what this this term, fitly framed, is talking about. Is that it fits together so well, it needs no foreign substance to hold it together. And that is what the local church is supposed to look like. So that we are fitly framed together. Uh, My pastor, when I was in college, Pastor Camp, he's been here a couple times, but anyway... He used to say when somebody would come and join the church, he would say this. He says, uh, You now have an obligation to serve us, but we also have an obligation to serve you. And I like that because that is what the local church should be all about serving one another. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 25 and 26 that that there should be no schism in the body but <clears throat> but that the members uh, should have the same care one for another and whether one member suffer suffer uh, all members suffer with it or one member be honored all the members rejoice with it spirituality cannot be manufactured. Okay? Just just saying it can't you can't just wake up one morning and turn it on and say, I'm gonna be spiritual. No, it is a it is a maturing process. It sometimes is a difficult process. It is something that we have in Jesus Christ. Truth unites, lies divide. Love unites, selfishness divides. And when Grace Baptist Church, when we are growing together, and like Paul's looking through double lenses and seeing the the, the whole spectrum that he needs to see, when when we are growing as individuals and the church is full of individuals growing and we are all working together, we are fulfilling this wonderful thing called the will of God for our lives. It is a wonderful picture for all of us. But it takes all of us striving together, moving in the same direction, speaking the truth in love, will equip each other and edify each other in the Lord. At the beginning, I asked you a question. Why are you here this morning? I hope that this morning's message has changed possibly your answer to that question. If you answered that question with the well, because i I was forced to come or uh, you know I came because hey, it's Sunday you go to church now, I, I don't know what it could be, but I hope and pray that the challenge that God's given us this morning may have given you some some thought to changing why you're here this morning. Hopefully you've come so that God can speak to your heart. I don't know about you, but I got into this practice many, many years ago. I don't, I don't start thinking about church Sunday morning on my way to church. I don't even start thinking about uh, Sunday morning uh, 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 when I get up Sunday morning. I start actually praying about Sunday morning on Saturday night, asking God to do a work in my heart and life. Because you know, even though I'm the pastor, I still need God to do a work in my heart and life. And it doesn't just happen. It happens because we ask it to happen. So why are you here this morning? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for for your love.